you know, if the things in your life aren't scaring you just a little bit, you're probably not doing the right things anyways. And I think what people are most fearful of is, you know, social punishment or being seen or having negative feedback passed on to them. For that reason, a lot of times people don't make changes. And so my advice to people is always to just make the change. Just do it. It's way scarier in your head than it's actually going to be in reality. So just like do the thing you want to do and burn the boats. This is Maestro on the Mic. A podcast designed to help you change your mindset and your life. It is time for something new. Join host Dr. Shante Cofield, also known as the Movement Maestro, on a journey to see the bigger picture. Open your eyes. Find your passion and discover how movement unites us all. Let's get it popping. This is Maestro on the Mic. I'm the Maestro, and you're about to get maestro Three, two. Hello friends, Maestro here and welcome back to another episode of Maestro on the Mic. This is the very first episode of 2022. Full disclosure, clearly we were recording this before then, uh, but I have with me today guests that I have actually brought on four times. This is their fifth time on. It's just become an annual thing. I look forward every year to recording this. They were on for episode 44, 76, 172, 270, which was exactly one year and one day ago, January 4th, it came out. So I guess actually 364 days ago. And now they're on, now they are on for episode 346. They are the founders, creators, badasses of Tactic Nutrition. If you're in the online space, I'm it's my guess that you've seen them, heard of them. If you're into the nutrition space at all, or if you like reading the comment section of fiery posts, you've probably seen at least one of them. So without further ado, welcome back to the show, my favorite guests, Meredith Root and Alex Parker. Oh, and Ivy. Welcome back, friends. Ivy's glad that she was included in that. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, 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 forgot about that. So it's great to have you two here. I'm going to do my best to be a good host, ask specific questions to specific, you know, parties, since there are three of you there. Um, I'll pass the mic first and foremost over to, to Meredith. It's been a year since you were on. You want to give us, like, whatever kind of update you want? It's a, it's a long time, so... It's like it's it's both a a long time and a very short time. Yeah. I think in the early phases of owning this business it felt like a long time, but now it's like that's years on. really fly by. Spot on. Yeah. Um so we're doing great. I mean the you know our our business model is the same, one-on-one coaching, lifestyle, nutrition. Um the biggest changes for us in the past year have been uh we're continuing we're continuing to expand our team. Um, so we went, I, th- I think this time last year we had three coaches. It was me and Alex. And then our, the first person that we hired Lindsay and last year we brought on, uh, four new coaches. So we've more than doubled Damn. the size of our team. Wow. Damn. Yeah. So it's been great. And then, you know, f- as far as like, I think whenever you, you endeavor into coaching of any kind, but especially nutrition coaching and lifestyle coaching, your, your method of coaching and communicating and delivering message like messages has kind of will inevitably change just as yes. you learn and experience more. And I think that 
that's certainly been the year for us. So it's kind of a, you know, it's a, the cool part of this job is that we get to just continually grow and build out our, our toolbox and get better at what we do. Going to stay with you, Meredith, on that. Are you still as passionate about what you're doing or has some of that growth kind of created a niche to move in different directions? I think both. Um, I'm, I guess I'm passionate about what our sort of our core values are and what they always have been. And like, I think no matter what we do, what, um, what our, our core business offering will be, will be one-on-one coaching. But what Mm -hmm. gets me excited is thinking about new ways to get our message in front of people and to sort of spread what we do because tactic is, it always has been a little bit different than other nutrition companies in the space. There are tons of them. I mean, you know, anyone who's in the online fitness or CrossFit space knows that there's, there's lots of different companies. And from the very beginning, what has set us apart, I think is, you know, our, our why. And so we operate from, you know, from a place of our core values. And I think that's, you know, when people come to us and they join us, they're coming to us not only because we have, you know, of what we can offer them as far as like coaching goes, but also because they feel drawn into, you know, our, our company's messaging and they want to be a part of our why, and they just feel very aligned with us. And so I, you know, I'm excited to continue to find new ways to scale that up. Absolutely. Like that's one of the things that, uh, you know, attracted me most to your business, to the two of you, and just it's developed the values, right? And you have these shared values. And so then the the services that get delivered can absolutely change. But once you've broken through that trust barrier, and that's largely founded on you know, similar values, and then are you living those values? And then it's something like, hey, you got a new solution? I want that solution from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push this a little bit. Alex, one of the solutions that I know people in the past wanted from both of you uh, is programming. Is that like on the horizon or like what's going on with this? Um, <clears throat> Meredith and I kind of dabbled in helping some of our clients with like fitness programming and it became, well, for starters, like we aren't as good at fitness programming as some people out there who have a little bit more education. And then it was also um, adding a little bit too much to our plate and taking mm-hmm. away from what tactic mm-hmm. was trying to do specifically with uh, a focus more on nutrition so we actually have um, somebody who is our like fitness coach. Um, his name is Tom Hoffman, and he he lived in Calgary. He's recently moved uh, back to the U.S. and he um, is a co-owner of a gym down there now. But he we refer all of our clients who are interested in combining fitness and nutrition under one umbrella to him, and he takes care it. of those people. And it's um. It's similar to what we do for ourselves. We have a coach who programs for us weekly, and he does that for for our clients, regardless of what their goals are. I love this. Focus. Do the thing that you are the best at, and then bring in other people to do the things that they are the best at. Ah, I love that. Going to keep going with you, uh, Alex, because I know that you and Meredith have maybe a little bit of different dispositions. I'll, I'll phrase it like that. And one of the things that Meredith had said earlier when we first started was that the business is growing and you're bringing on more coaches. How has that growth and expansion been for you? Um, it's been great. It allows us to kind of, I think, offer a better service to our clients um, because we have more personalities as oh, coaches. Mm-hmm. So 
we match clients based on who we think will be the best fit with. And when you have seven coaches to choose from instead of three, it kind of allows the client to potentially have a, a better match. Uh, for me personally, um, there have been ups and downs, like good things and bad things. I think anytime you start having to manage a team, I've always, yeah. I've never, I've never had a role of like management. And so Meredith and I are, are kind of learning on the fly here and trying mm -hmm. to, you know, help grow our business, but help grow the team and, you know, support, support each other. Um, you know, kind of get us all on the same page, kind of have, make sure, make sure everyone's bought in on, in the same way. Um, make sure every, everyone is aware that they have a voice and a, a place and, um, you know, nutrition coaching is, is fairly independent. You have your, your clients and we allow for a high degree of independence with our coaches because that allows for the most authentic relationship with yeah. their uh, respective clients. But, you know, there is a team aspect to, to this business. And so making sure that we're, um, allowing that to grow is, is really important. And it's, it's proving to be kind of a, a whole nother beast in itself in a good uh, way. Totally. I look at it and I'm like, I could not do that. So that's amazing that you're finding the way that works best for you. Uh, Meredith, you said a little bit before and kind of tying into what Alex just said as well, you know, kind of handing things off and letting people do what they're the best at. Uh, you said before, like uh, in terms of uh, kind of, uh, maybe it was Alex, I'm not even sure. It was said before about when you try to do other things, you're like, I can't really necessarily do the thing that I'm the best or the things that I want to be able to do back is do the best, uh, you know, plenty getting pulled in a bunch of different directions with things currently. What would you say, Meredith, that your focus is on? What would you like it to be on as it relates to the business? What are you, what are you the best at? Uh, I'm probably the, the best at, and what I find the most enjoyment doing is the actual message spreading. So the, mm -hmm. the content, the creative stuff, um, I really like to have my hands in that as much as I can, because I, you know, I think a lot of people who own businesses, all kinds of businesses, uh, they outsource their, uh, their Instagram. And it's like, yeah. well, you're on, it's wild like, to me. Your, your business lives and dies on social media. Like that's, that's your main lead generator that's you know maybe you have an email list maybe you're on youtube whatever but like as far as what people are most li likely to engage with it's going to be it's going to be instagram so I, I like to make sure and i really enjoy making sure that our our messaging and our information gets out you know and it's high quality it's evidence-based we're you know we're science folks and that's our that's what we put out but i like I really like that it goes out with a specific voice and so yes. when people go to tactic and they read it they um, you know, it's, it's like they're reading something from an old friend and they, they feel very engaged and, um, loyal to the, the page. And it's, it's, I really like condensing, um, sort of complicated scientific topics into language that anyone can understand. And I, I'm, I like to think that I'm really good at that. And yes. the more time and, and energy that I can put into that, I find, um, you know, the, the better, the engagement tends to be on our social media. hundred percent. When do you have time to read or do you make time to read all these articles and such? Honestly, um, it's her pastime at hobby. <laughs> it is. I have like, usually <laughs> if I'm Meredith reads all the time, she reads while she's brushing her teeth. She reads <laughs> when she's on the toilet and it's not like scrolling through Instagram. She's like, Oh, just the study. 
I I love it. Yeah, I do. I, I whenever it. I get a moment, if I'm not driving a car, if I'm cooking breakfast and I don't need both my hands, I try to just have a, you know, a, a paper up or, you know, a study or an article in nature or something that's caught my eye. And I, I just get it in when I can, because it is really hard to carve out more than yeah. 10 or 15 minutes at a time when you're running a business. So I just, I try to make use as much as I can of the, the little moments here and there that I have to myself. <laughs> This is so good having both of you on, having a, a partnership that is a partnership like this on the podcast, because then you actually get to hear like, you know, the other person's like, this is how they do it because I see it. <laughs> I love it. I love that love, that that dedication, that obsession there. This is who, in my, in my opinion, this is who I want to work with. Like, I want people that are so fired up about the thing that that's what they do. And I'm like, cool, you can go and do that. Alex, what about you? What is what is the thing that you want to be focusing on? What are you the best at? Um. I'm, my coaching has has evolved. I'm I'm way more confident and comfortable in coaching a variety of different people. Awesome. I really I really enjoy coaching more than I ever did. Awesome. Um, I also find like because of our transition more into endurance sports, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. I'm helping a lot of people with that as well because like I understand the benefits. Like I'm kind of putting some of the science to use, and I'm. I like spreading that message. Like, yeah, you can really improve your running performance through nutrition. I like helping people with that. Um, besides coaching, I'm, I love like administrative work. It sounds oh so silly, God. but I mean, you're a lawyer um, though. So like, <laughs> yeah, like I, I really Got like it. taking care of incoming um, clients, prospective clients. I like taking calls and, um, you know, responding to inquiry emails. I manage all of the the coaches and their, invoicing payments um it sounds like such like boring work but yes. i'm like obsessive about like watching our membership system and seeing like when we get new signups and making sure you know they're they're feeling comfortable right from the get-go and they understand like what the next steps are and making sure that the process for sign up to the beginning of coaching is really uh, like a smooth and seamless process and and i like making sure that people hear from us like within a, a really short period of time because if anybody is like me they're shopping around to make sure they get the best product and because our product is is very much communication based I want that client to feel that they're taken care of and cared for and that they're the only one right from the beginning so that's that's what I take pride in dude this is a perfect I don't know how it works in terms of like a romantic relationship, but in terms of a business <laughs> partnership, this is great. Have you heard that book, Rocket Fuel? I know that book, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, this is this is what he, they're talking about. Like, yeah. you got a visionary, See, you got like, an integrator. In a romantic relationship in our personal life, Meredith has the ideas to go on vacation. <laughs> she picks where to go, and then I book all the flights. And This is it. Take care of the, the logistics. <laughs> I Although say, I heard with the flights. <laughs> Alex, I heard with the flights, though, maybe... Mm -hmm. That is like maybe. Alex, like, don't worry, I got us a really good seat right in the back of the plane. We're working on it, but she booked it, so it's like, all right, this is. I'll, just, I'll upgrade it. I'll take care of the upgrades. Yeah, paying for upgrades on flights is a is a topic of conversation in our household. This is, the, dude, I'm gonna keep. I have so many different directions I could go in, but I'm gonna keep going with that. Uh, I'm gonna keep with you, Alex. How is it? working with your partner significant other how has it been like the business is, is growing how are how are things 
it's there's been some growing pains for sure i think and we were talking about this the other day what's kind of naturally happened over time is we have and it's it's happened like in an unspoken way but we just kind of like naturally fit into certain roles like we've Mm -hmm. taken over certain things without having to do everything together I think from the beginning it was like oh we got an inquiry like I'll respond to it okay can you respond to the next one um you know there was questions on um you know who was gonna look over the intake form of this client and I it's just I think over time like figuring out who does what has been really helpful in in keeping things efficient um whenever we do like disagree or there's a uh an argument that's business related it's difficult to keep like I don't talk to Meredith like I would a work colleague or I have it's I take advantage of the fact that she's my partner and I talk to her in a very like emotional way and I can get mad at her knowing that she'll forgive me I think we've kind of learned to avoid that sort of behavior and then making sure that we have um a work-life balance and that we are somewhat keeping work separate from our personal life, which has been difficult, but we're getting better at it. I, I, like, I have thoughts here. Meredith, how's it been for you? Um, yeah, Meredith, how's it been for you? Yeah. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's definitely challenging. I wouldn't um, necessarily advise people to go into this type of working relationship without a great deal of consideration and thought. Um, I will say that the delegation and like distribution of tasks has been really helpful because early on it was, there was kind of an expectation that you, you know, we would alternate on tasks or, you know, Alex would have the, um, ownership of the inquiry email for a month and then I would take it and it would just go back and forth like that. And it just, what it, when it is, what ends up happening is like, you don't really, neither one of us developed a very good system for doing much of anything. Um, Mm -hmm until mm-hmm. that delegation happened and it's like okay Alex is gonna handle the administrative stuff because she enjoys that level of organization um, I don't enjoy that level of organization I enjoy the you know the the creativity and the um, the content so I'm gonna own that and more of the like the media engagement side yeah. of things and so that's yeah. been really um, that's been really helpful I think like I'm a big boundaries person in life. I, um, I find when I don't have good, like good, clear boundaries, I tend to, and this is for myself. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that other people violate them when I don't do a good job setting a boundary, um, for myself, I end up, and I, I'm a, I have a very obsessive personality. I sort of on the ADHD Mm -hmm. kind of spectrum. And so I, when I, I get into things, I really, really get into them and work has always been that for me regardless of what I'm doing, whether it's working in pharmaceuticals or managing a CrossFit gym, like I just, I tend to um, get a bit of a tunnel vision situation and Mm -hmm. that's not always a good thing. If you're in a relationship and it's 8 PM and you're still, you know, your partner sitting there on the couch wanting to watch TV with you and you're, um, Mm -hmm. you know, doing whatever you've decided to do. So I have, have benefited greatly from being a little bit better about setting boundaries for myself and, I would, I think that's really important for anyone who's in a working relationship. Meredith, uh, tell me more. This is for, for my own personal knowledge because I'm <laughs> the same way, right? I'm like, I'm on, I'm doing this thing and that's what I'm doing right now. 
how have you, what have you done so that are, are you, I mean, yesterday I saw that you did a story and it was 6.30 and then you closed the computer. So are you putting like uh, deadlines on things during the day? Are you, what are you doing to stave off resentment? Yeah. Is there any, any part of that coming in? Um, I mean, there's always days that are going to be a little bit longer um, than others. Like we, like our, our, our week this week has been a really long week. And part of that is because we were coming off a holiday week last week, but also it's a really busy time of year. And we have a lot of, of things going on in the background. We have a new website that's coming up. We're like, you know, organizing photo shoots. We have new apparel coming in. Like we just, we have all of these things kind of going at once and it's sort of stretching our days and our, our mental resources a little bit. Um, for, for me and for us, you know, we moved into a, a new house that we bought last year. And I will say like the having, I read this, um, I read this article in scientific American, which is one of my favorite publications. And it's about how your work environment and your physical space impacts a lot more than people ever thought your, Mm -hmm. your mood, your productivity and your relationships. And this is important because in 2020 and 2021, when so many people pivoted to a work at home or work from home situation that was new to them, um, it, it kind of changed everything and that it changed the way that like you interacted with your partner who you're not used to spending eight hours a day with. It changed, um, how productive people are because some people do a really terrible job at multitasking or they can't handle, you know, the fact that their kid is in the other room or there's a TV going or whatever. And that, while that made sense to me, I've always like, since tactic, we, it's always been a work from home situation. And then we got this Mm -hmm. house and in you know the basement is our kind of our crossfit gym and then we have our first floor which you know kitchen living space office which is kind of the work floor and then this thing that we started doing um you know several months ago was we kind of we had this like upstairs living room area that's just outside of our bedroom and we made that a we made that a hard boundary no work zone so as Mm -hmm. soon as we're upstairs and in that loft area which happens at like 7 30 at night usually it's you know we try to get off our phones laptops aren't allowed upstairs mm-hmm. and so it it creates this physical like kind yeah. of I'm going to use the word oasis because I, it's what popped into my head where it's it's kind of a, a quiet space and a safe space and it's where at the end of the day no matter how busy the day has been you can go up there and you can you actually f- you can feel this like sense of relaxation come over you um or at least i can and i know alex can too where you know like no matter what you know unless there's a major emergency i'm done with work for the day oh, i like it is this the space with the couch this is um <laughs> this isn't the space like with a big the thing. couch that came from the internet but um this is a yeah it's a space with this like big soft sectional and okay yeah. <laughs> so I was like, that couch did not seem like an oasis based on the stories that you were around. Alex about. is actually sitting on that couch right now, though. It's in our podcast room. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I want to keep going with this. I'm going to flip it to, uh, I'm going to flip it to Alex and tying into what you said, you say, one, congrats again about the new house. That's like amazing. So you got a new house, you built out the gym downstairs, it's your CrossFit space, or your, not even CrossFit, your, is your working out space. How does, or I mean, how does, because that's leading, does that competitive nature that you two have, like one of my like fondest memories of you two is that you were competing against each other 
on the regionals floor. Like no other couple I, I've ever heard about has ever done something like that. Direct head-to-head competition vying for the fifth spot. Whenever you post workouts and things like that, there's definitely, there's always been that like, you know, competition to things. Does that come up in the business at all, Alex? Um, I definitely think it did at first. Um, one thing about Meredith, and I always tell her this, and she always rolls her eyeballs, but like, <laughs> she's like the smartest person I know. She can't, she can't remember like things about, you know, what we're having for dinner, but when it comes to like synthesizing information, she writes really well. She's a really good coach. She has a really good understanding of things. She just, in my opinion, like very smart and she puts that to good use. And so, um, you know, when I transitioned out of being a lawyer, which, you know, I had been doing for the last four years and then, um, you know, university, I was a psych major. I, I felt kind of like out of, um, like a little bit in the deep zone. And I, I, I wasn't sure if I could kind of keep up with her. And so I felt almost, um, like, uh, inferior. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if it was necessarily like com- competitive. It was, um, I felt like almost insecure being compared mm-hmm. to Meredith and I wanted to mm-hmm. make sure that like I was contributing to the, my fullest ability and like able to be a big part of the business. And I think like we mentioned over time, you just kind of figure out like what you're good at and you work to improve the things that you're not good at. Um, and you know, it's similar to CrossFit. I used to be, I'm, I'm gen- naturally a very competitive person and I found that I was, uh, very competitive with Meredith. Like I struggled to celebrate her success because it made Mm me, uh, mad and like, Oh, she's beating me. And that was more of a negative emotion. But I think through being a bit of a duo and working towards the same goals, we kind of realized, and this is probably something I should have realized years ago, but you become better and stronger as an individual and as a team, if you work together rather than against each other. And um, I can say that now that that happened. I think while it was happening, I didn't really realize it. Um, And so, and with like, you know, fitness and stuff, because we've taken a bit of the competitiveness out of the equation, it's allowed us to to be a bit more cohesive and less, uh, like, yeah. I I don't want to say aggressive with each other, but like, yeah, head to head, I guess. Totally, like... This is, I'm loving this right now. Meredith, you want to jump in and add anything? Yeah. I mean, the, so I've always kind of received this feedback. And when I was in a professional setting, um, I have a, a, I mean, I have a big personality. I, um, I run a little hot, which comes across on the internet sometimes. If you ever catch me in comment sections, um, I'm like, I'm a, yeah, the, I guess the a bit way of a... I actually read. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I have to point this out. I I read one of her performance reviews. She had it, and it, I think I quote it said, "Doesn't play well with others." <laughs> this is from fifth grade. What is this? Yeah, this, this is from her review. old job. Yeah, this is from my pharmaceutical oh, job. I didn't say it doesn't. I don't play well with others, but I I do like I do tend to be a very in, like individual contributor and yeah, I'm kind of that totally. person like and I'm sure you know because you went totally. to university and everyone remembers grade school where you get into group work and there there might be that person who's like no no, no I'll just do it myself mm-hmm. you guys yeah. are incompetent 
that's yeah. me. Um, because that's 100%. the best way to do it. Right. So because it's the best I, way to make sure it gets done right. Exactly. Um, I do have that tendency, but I've also like to, to talk about kind of the personal development, working with someone who is different than you or challenging. Like, you know, I've also learned a lot from Alex and I've developed in a lot of ways. Like it's not just me kind of, you know, helping Alex, like bringing her up. Like she's also mm-hmm. brought me up in a lot of ways. And um, as like, as cliche as this phrase is like, um, you know, iron sharpens iron. And yeah. I think when you hold yourself to a really high standard and then even to go beyond that, when you, when you put yourself in uncomfortable situations or, you know, involve yourself with people who are even, you know, achieve even highly, more highly than you do. Um, and you can, you can hold yourself in that space and you can tolerate the discomfort of, you know, not being the best at something or, you know, not being mm-hmm. sure or dealing with like, you know, the level of, uh, you know, I know you don't have imposter syndrome, but sometimes we all deal with that. If you can handle that, you will come out just, you know, sharper and more efficient and better at what it is that you're trying to do. So I'm a big proponent of uh, seeking out challenge and discomfort and growth opportunities as much as I can. I love this. Thank you for that uh, therapy session. You can (laughs) send me your invoice. Let's keep going with that. I'm going to keep the mic with you, Meredith. Uh, kind of the same competition tangent, or not tangent, uh, topic, but uh, Alex had alluded to it earlier, uh, so I want to speak about it now. You've removed some of that, but you're still doing a ton of uh, movement and activity, but it's switched up, and you both have uh, found yourselves in the endurance space. Can you speak about that where you're at why things switched how it's going for you whatever you want to talk about yeah um so that change occurred i guess it's been almost a year now um so we were we we're kind of both in i guess the the twilight of our individual crossfit careers and then with with all of the craziness that happened mm-hmm. um with the competitive season there it just sort of left us in a you know, in a position where like, I don't know if I want to compete, like the training is really difficult. And it also, you know, it, it is so competitive at a high level right now that it requires, um, like a pretty massive time commitment. And so it's a situation where we are also trying to grow a business and scale that up. And so it seems, you know, why, why would we want to do hours and hours and hours of CrossFit training to maybe potentially qualify for the games that, really doesn't get you that much anymore. Um, so I think we, you know, Alex and I both struggled for a period of time with the idea of backing off CrossFit because it's what we did for so long. So for yeah. me personally, like I had one leg over the fence of like, okay, I'm going to retire from CrossFit, but also I'm worried that if I retire from Cro- CrossFit and stop competing that, you know, people will find me irrelevant and stop paying attention. And so mm-hmm. you just deal with a lot of self-doubt with making that decision. Um, and then, you know, I, I kind of made it and then made less than a year later, Alex kind of made it after the, you know, the open and quarterfinal season last year. And we both are endurance athletes before we, we were CrossFit athletes. So getting back into running, biking, swimming is really more of a return to, you know, our previous yeah. athletic lives. And so for me, um, it all started, I, I wanted to do a, like an off-road duathlon because we're also doing quite a bit of mountain biking and yes, so like, oh, I'll just yeah. train for this uh 50k mountain bike and then it's like a 25k trail run well that event was canceled because of covid and so 
then it was like, well, I'll just, I'll train for the half marathon distance because I had already run one back in 2018. And, you know, I don't really fancy myself a marathon runner. I've never done it. And I've always kind of dealt with running related injuries. So I mm -hmm. wasn't convinced that I would hold up to marathon training. Um, so I trained for the half distance and kind of set a goal of, you know, casually beating Alex's best half marathon time. Um, which there it I is. <laughs> it wasn't casually beating mine. You had to train for it. I did. Um, so you two are my favorite. <laughs> oh, oh, I just casually kicked her ass. Yeah, no, like that is not casually case. beat her by a whole minute. Um, but that it's like, it's silly, but I did, like I set that goal. And also because it was, you know, I had run the Banff half marathon in 2018 and like a, a 141 and Alex ran it back then in like a 135. And so I was like, well, I'll just try to run it in a 134. That's a pretty good improvement. I wasn't really running a ton back in 2018. It felt doable. Um, so I did that and then kind of immediately set the goal of like, Hey, I would like to run a sub 90 minute half marathon, um, in 2022. So that's kind of my, my current endeavor. And I don't know that it's going to happen early in the year. I think if it happens next year, it'll be late in the year, but it's been great. It's been a nice change. Like running is takes less time. I'm finding since I'm more properly trained for it and I'm wearing better shoes, like my body is holding up to it. It's mm -hmm. nice to get outside. We don't, I don't wear headphones or anything. I try to, I try to keep that as time. That's just for me and my thoughts and focusing on, you know, the physical practice of running and less on combining the physical practice of running with, you know, listening to a podcast or an audiobook or something like yeah. that. So. Absolutely. Alex, go ahead. Let's, let's hear about your uh, return to the endurance stuff. Yeah. So I, I, um, picked up running when I was like, probably, yeah, like thir 12 or 13 years ago, I ran a half marathon with my sister and I was, I barely did it in like sub two hours, which is respectable enough. Um, and I was still ski racing up at, in Alaska. And so I, I kind of just like started, um, and enjoying running way back then. And my dad is a, a big runner and my sister, uh, was really into running as well. And my mom's run a few marathons. So it's kind of a, a little bit in the family. And, um, and then I ran my first, um, marathon in 2011. Um, and then kind of, I was still running quite a bit just recreationally like to keep fit. Cause I really, really just enjoy exercise and running specifically. And then as I started getting more and more into CrossFit, um, running kind of just, got pushed to the wayside. I, I wasn't doing it as much. It's kind of hard to balance like running like 40 or 50 kilometers a week and trying to train for the CrossFit games. Um, mm -hmm. and especially like the way that CrossFit is evolving, it seems like strength is a little bit more biased. And totally. so you really can't be running cause it can totally. impact your ability to gain strength. So, um, more recently, I think for me, it's been about two years. I started getting back into running and I was running for probably twice a week for about a, a year or so. And then as Meredith mentioned about a year ago, I started running a bit more and then I had, I was just uh, like, I wasn't holding up well to CrossFit. Like mm -hmm. my, ba my back was starting to hurt more than it ever had, had been. I think part of it was like, I had turned 30 and Meredith always jokes. She's like, 30 is the number where things just really start going <laughs> downhill. And like, for me, it was like, I was so durable. And then I turned 30 and like, things just really started going south. I don't. Uh, and we then, had a whole episode. You came on, and like Meredith and I were commiserating about being Mr. Glass, and <laughs> yes, Alex was like, 
Alex was like, what's an injury? And I was like, please leave this podcast right now. Yeah. <laughs> like I literally, I would wake up with an injury and I'm like, <laughs> I was sleeping. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, and then, you know, I, I don't want to blame the, the injuries, but I didn't qualify for semifinals in CrossFit. And that was kind of to me, like, and I kind of said, like, even if I do qualify, I'm not really sure I want to go. And I think to me, that was a sign that I wasn't really in the game anymore. It wasn't worth the effort. There were other things that were kind of taking over, like the business and just, you know, spending more time with Meredith outside the gym and traveling and not having to worry about working out and my training and all that. And so I basically was just like, yeah, I'm going to, I think I'm going to run a marathon. Like I just had an, like a, an itch yeah. to do it. And just dove right into trading. And um, so I ran Chicago in October and um, I'm, I just got my uh, registration confirmed for Boston in April. So Damn, I'm pretty stoked. Congrats. Thanks. Dude, this is, this is so good. I want to keep going with this. I'm trying to think which direction I want to go. Cause there was a few <laughs> things that you said. I'm going to ask, Alex, a question first, and then I'm going to come back to Meredith. Meredith, make a, make a mental note just in case I go on a tangent and I forget I was going to ask. Make a mental note about uh, being strong and running fast, okay? Okay, got it. We're going to talk about that. Uh, keeping with this, keeping with you, Alex, you threw out that you ran a sub two for the half, and you finished that sentence by saying, it's respectable enough. Now, as a fellow athlete and someone who's run halves, it is respectable enough, but when that competitive side comes over and you're trying to balance this as we're speaking afterwards, we're trying to balance this with like, I don't want to offend anyone who doesn't run as fast. That's not fast for you. You want to run faster, which is why you said it's respectable enough. Can you talk to me about setting goals that other people don't have that other people don't even think about having is this just something that this is just how you are you hold both of you do this is why i love both of you you hold yourself to a different standard meredith spoke about it before iron sharpens iron sharpens iron can you alex talk about setting these goals because you're like i'm gonna go run you know a, a marathon and i'm gonna do these times what has that been like for you setting goals that other people don't have and challenging yourself has this always been there talk to me um, I think from a fitness and athletic standpoint, like I've always been uh, an athlete. Um, it basically, I was just obsessed with sports and being mm -hmm. the best at them. Yeah. My sister and I were extremely, extremely competitive. And um, like, again, like not to toot my own horn here, but I, I just, it, I came by it really naturally. Yes. Like really Say any it. sport that I picked up, I would do really well in. Mm -hmm. um, I think the only sport I didn't excel in was volleyball. I was never ah. a fan. And I, I also don't like team sports pr a lot. Because yes. um, <laughs> other people fuck it up. I understand. So. Yeah, I'd like, <laughs> I like to have full control of whether you have success or whether you fail. So I totally get it. Um, I honestly think like whenever I set a goal, like if it's like, okay, I want to do a sub 330 marathon or I, I want to run a marathon or, you know, a lot of people can't just lace up some shoes and you know, like we did in 2018 and run like a 134, 35 to half. And, yeah. um, it is good. Like on paper, it's, yeah. it's in the higher percentile, like, it, like even making it to the CrossFit games, like not that many mm -hmm. people do that. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the, the numbers that we're still lifting in the gym are, are really good on paper. Like people wouldn't 
dream of lift of snatching 170 and mm-hmm. um i think it's important to remember like i don't think i'm better than anybody else like on paper maybe i am but in terms of like setting goals i don't think my goals are any better i think i try to set goals that are within reach but take me out of my comfort zone to achieve them and i i i see this with my clients a lot like i i like clients to to do the same and they need to celebrate those goals and make them as important to them regardless of what you know, the time to beat is or how much they want to lift or whether it's a first pull up or how much weight they want to lose. And so like, I, I do understand that my, uh, goals might be something that people wouldn't ever, it's my athletic goals wouldn't be something that people would ever like dream of setting, but that doesn't mean that they're really any better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, love that. I, love I try that. not to, to do that thing where it's like, Oh, you know, you know, I only ran this fast mm-hmm. and it's, yes. that's when it can get tricky. I remember I, I used to ski race and you would, you'd get people at the finish, like other girls who would just be like, Oh, I had such a bad run. And they're like, their self, they're almost protecting their ego. And, yes. and it's like, well, you won. Like, what, exactly. what are you doing? Like you're making mm-hmm. us all feel like crap. Like, even if you do feel like that, just keep it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. Those and I just, I try to be positive and it's like, it's okay to say like, I can go faster, but to say like, Oh, like three thirty sucks. Like two mm-hmm. sub two hours sucks. Like, f- you know, sub two hours for me, it's like something I could have, imp- I could improve on and I knew it, but for some people like sub two hours is a really, really great accomplishment. So I think, yeah, it's all relative. I guess I love that take away. In, in making sure that you, uh, you know, you're highlighting the individual nature of things and the, the subjectivity that exists. And also, because this is a both and kind of situation and also being proud of the things that you do and knowing what your specific goals are and not devaluing them because someone else doesn't, you know, wouldn't consider having them. I think that's super important. I wanted to bring that out and, and was hoping you would say something along the lines of that, just because I know inherently for all, especially all the, like the female or female raised or socialized, I should say, listeners, you're like immediately taught to like cut yourself down and like, that to me, obviously that, that ain't the way there's definitely the both end of like, you know, staying humble, but also what are your goals? What are you inherently good at? What do you want to be doing? And then, and then doubling down on, on that Meredith, before I ask you about being strong and, and being fast, uh, and also about how your skiing is going, uh, <laughs> anything you want to add to, to the discussion about goals? Well, I'll, I, I'll add something to that. I, I was recent and this is Alex speaking. Yeah. yeah. I, I recently, you just made me think about something specific. I was, I was listening to a podcast with Amy Poehler on it. Um, Mm -hmm. if you don't know who she is, I think everyone does. She's just like an old SNL. She's been in a bunch of movies. She's just hilarious. And Parks and Rec part. Yeah. I see you really liking that humor. Yeah. She's awesome. So she was on a podcast and she was talking to the host and she said, you know, people, and she has, I, I mean, her resume um, in terms of like TV and movies and comedies is just off the charts. And, mm-hmm. you know, she, she said she'll go to award ceremonies or she'll go to uh, dinners that are celebrating her work, her work. And people will come up and say to her and they'll say, can you believe you did this? Mm. And she says, and she's like, you know, in, in those situations I say back, say, yeah, I can actually. Yeah. Can you? <laughs> like, Gosh. you know. Uh, so she just, she's like, you know, I'm proud of what I've done and there's nothing wrong with that. Yes. 
yes, yes, yes. All of this. I have gravitated to both of you from the get-go because of this energy that you put off and put out rather. And I think it's super, I think it's super important. You know, there's confirmation bias there, sure, whatever, but this is my <laughs> podcast. So I'm going to say it. That's why I bring you on. I'd love to see more of it. Right? It's a more you. I love that. Meredith, what you got? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think to, to talk about the goals thing a little bit more, um, well, I don't know, even the, the gender thing, like there's, I think it's Abby Wambach's book. She talks about this, this thing where like, you know, male students are asked to grade themselves mm-hmm. on a, a course and then female stu- students are asked to do the same. And the males almost always give themselves like an A or an A plus. And then the females who are scoring the same or higher, you know, they're like, well, I guess like maybe like a B minus. Yeah. And so it's, it is, there's like, there's that thing where like, as a, a female, you're kind of taught to be timid and, um, you know, not self-deprecating and like a, a super negative, but just like you, like there's a lot of self-doubt that I think is yeah. inherent to being be less, be smaller. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like take up less space. And I don't know if it's, um, you know, part of being gay is that you don't necessarily, you don't have that like urge to fit into heterosexual yeah, totally. you know, culture norms. Totally. I don't know. Um, like I've, you know, I, I've, I've never really had that, but I see it all the time with people who, um, you know, they have a goal and they, they achieve that goal and, you know, they say, well, you know, it's not that fast. Like so-and-so runs this, like there's, um, there's going to be someone out there who's better mm-hmm. at doing what you're trying to do almost always, unless mm-hmm. you're out there winning gold medals. Exactly. Like I could run a right? sub 90 half marathon and immediately go like, well, yeah, I mean, it's okay. But like the world record is this. <laughs> the, the fact of the matter is if, if that type of that line of thinking prevents you from like setting out to achieve a goal, like you're never going to do anything. Yeah. Like had I, had I thought that way back in 2012 when I started doing CrossFit and like, well, you know, I'm so far away from being actually being any good at this. Like I, I never would have, I never would have walked in the door. I never would have kept going or I never would have endeavored to compete in the first place. So um, yeah, so you literally wouldn't do anything. Exactly. It's like nothing. Like, exactly. <laughs> literally you would do nothing. So keep going with that in terms of uh, winning gold medals Right now, both of you are very strong and you're very fast. <laughs> uh, I would love to hear. And if you want to throw out your science too, that's fine. Like, you know, I think CrossFit set out to debunk some of that myth with, with things. But also like, let's be honest. Some of the people that they were like, we're strong and run fast. But I was like, but you run like a fucking ogre. Like, uh, I don't know about that. Like, yeah, you're running distances, both of you. And you lift in heavy shit and you seem to be really in a good place in life. Can you talk about really experiencing both right now in life? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we're in a good, like a a unique situation athletically. And so I don't want to like negate the impact of, you know, what our, like we have a a relatively high training age. Like we've been doing this for Mm -hmm. a long time. Even before we started with strength training, we were, I was a a swimmer cyclist. Like I had an endurance background. And so like that, matters like it it definitely kind of like that's the base and that's what we're working Mm with um but I think a lot of people even in CrossFit they think that in order to be actually fast and I don't mean fast in a a CrossFit event there's always going to be people who uh who thrive in running events just Mm -hmm. like there are always people who thrive in weightlifting events but when you take CrossFitters outside of the context of the CrossFit games and CrossFit competitions they're actually quite slow Mm -hmm. um and I don't think that 
really, um, you know, running a fast half marathon is something that someone would, would say, yeah, I want to do that. Um, while also maintaining strength, because there's this assumption Mm -hmm. that you'll just lose all your strength. Um, so one of the cool things about kind of, I guess, quote unquote, retiring from CrossFit is that we can dabble a little bit more with our fitness and just kind of experiment and see, okay, what kind of impact does this have? And, um, you know, as far as strength and conditioning goes, they've always like, they do exist in somewhat of a balance. And I'm, I'm sitting here trying to remember the, the author of the paper and I can't remember it right now, but there was some research that came out sort of recently that basically said, you know, just like CrossFit athletes and strength athletes have a fear of running because they think that it's going to impact their strength. Um, endurance athletes and people who are all the way on Mm -hmm. the, you know, the far end of the spectrum with running have a fear of strength training because they think that it's going to make them slow. Um, and the, the, the point of this research in this paper that came out, it basically said, that um, strength training specifically does not actually have that big of an impact on speed. And it was just, um, you know, they designed the study in a way that showed that, but also um, endurance work didn't have that big of an impact on strength. And so um, they, they exist in a balance, but they don't, Mm -hmm. they don't impact each other as much as I think people would think. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, the way that our, our training has been structured and part of this is we have a phenomenal, coach who himself has sort of switched over into the running space. And so he's, he's experimenting with his own fitness, just like we are, um, which he is now experimenting with our fitness. And so it's kind of, um, you know, I guess when you think about strength training with someone like us who have relatively high training age and a high baseline of strength, which we both do, it's sort of a minimum effective dose kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And it's like yeah. how much strength training or what's the, the minimum yeah. necessary to, to maintain strength while sort of pushing the needle and developing in this new endurance space. And so for me specifically, and I'm just a different athlete than Alex is, plus I was doing less running volume. Um, not only did backing off of the strength volume help me maintain, but I. <laughs> But I actually like my lifts started going up, at least the conventional lifts, so squat, yeah. deadlift, and bench press, um, which I think was sort of unexpected, both for me and for my coach. So I was reporting my squat numbers, and it was like every week was he was like, "Wow, this is actually really good," or like really impressive. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he expected to see my numbers go the direction that they went. Um, so I think that I just benefited immensely from actually like less volume overall yeah. with squatting, but still relatively high percentage. Yeah. I mean, it's a super individualized nature there. Alex, did you note the same? Um, What did you note? Because my distances were a little bit longer, especially in the last like six Mm -hmm. weeks leading up to the marathon. Um, And not so much the distance across the week, but like I was running like, you know, three hours per, you know, for some sessions. I... I was squatting a lot less. Mm-hmm. There was a less volume and it was um, less intense because yeah. I was also running into like little niggly injuries. Like I had a bit of a knee problem um, and I just didn't want to be like putting my running at risk because I, mm-hmm. you know, was part of the marathon. I was, I was raising a bunch of money for charity. And so I didn't want to, totally. you know, get injured or like impact totally. the opportunity to run. So like for me, I definitely noticed a huge, like a fairly big drop off in squatting mm-hmm. partially too. like, 
I just started feeling a little bit uncomfortable with weight on my back. I don't know, like mm. if it was just general fatigue there. Yeah. But um, interestingly, like my squat snatch, like a couple weeks before the marathon, I squat snatched like 170 and my best ever is 180. Like my, my so lifting wasn't that bad. I think just my there. overall squatting numbers were down. Yeah. Totally. I mean, that makes so much sense. The neurological fatigue just from running three hours in the impact, like, yeah, putting weight on your back for a back squat is going to, I'd be looking at something like, if I want to compare numbers before and after kind of during, would be like, what does a leg press look like? Just because there's less axial load on it. And so you could kind of yeah. be able to like, be like, what is the strength factor there? But your nervous system so involved. I love this. I love that you folks bring in the science and it's like an N of one and making it individualized. And you brought up this, this, I don't want to say this. You, to me, represent potential and possibility. It's like watching the Roger Bannister effect in, in real time, right? Where people see, oh, they did it. It doesn't mean it's necessarily 100% possible for me, but I can try. It's no longer this like, it can't be done. And yeah, this is awesome because also within this kind of pseudo experiment, you have different variables where, you know, Alex is running a lot more. Meredith is not running um, as much, but one of the things that you brought up that's so, so salient and so just across the board is that we as humans, we are so loss averse, right? So when it comes to like, maybe I could try this thing that might help me, all we kind of think about is, but what will I lose at what cost? So the strength person's like, but I'm going to lose my strength. And the endurance funder's like, but I'm going to be slow. And Meredith and Alex are over here like, but maybe we can be strong and fast. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This is it's really fun to to watch you doing this. Meredith, how's the uh how's the old skiing going? Oh man. Um well we got we bought our usual like weekday season passes to kind of our our favorite hill. We haven't been out yet, even though there's tons of snow. We've we traveled oh. last week, which would have been the first week that we could have gone out. Um I bought new boots, so I'm hopeful that that. Oh, yeah. I saw you were selling the other ones. Yeah, you were like, yeah, the it, uh, the loose. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, I'm still like, I'm intermediate. I'm not gonna pretend like I'm any better than that. It's <laughs> one of those things. I detest being bad at something. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so this is yeah. that obsessive nature that I have. I am now, and I did this all summer with mountain biking. Right? Yep. I'm a little bit be better at mountain biking than I am skiing. But, uh, you know, when I'm not mountain biking, I'm watching YouTube videos of mountain biking. I'm the same then, way. <laughs> yes. Yeah. A few weeks ago, I found that I had sort of subconsciously, without really even realizing it, switched to watching skiing videos. And so oh, I love it. that's that's what I'm doing now. So I'm hopeful. Um, I enjoy new things and challenging myself. And it's skiing offers a, a great opportunity to do that. And it's it takes a long time to improve at it so it's really mm -hmm. it's like year after year it's like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna do some more drills and i'm gonna try to um you know get a little bit better and just sort of move the needle more towards um you know a consistent yeah. black and occasional double black skier oh my gosh i just got anxiety thinking about that i'm, I'm curious to know what merit how meredith's research pays off this year on skis because the majority of videos she's been watching have been big mountain <laughs> yeah I don't so know it'll be well it'll be interesting to see what kind of tips she's picked up by watching like you know people basically like getting dropped out of a helicopter I think like base jumping, exactly i mean meredith is learning about the camera angles because she's going to use that for her content so 100%. it'll pay off 
with that. She's getting a gimbal for Christmas for herself. I already yep. know. I got, I got two. I'm cognizant of the time here, folks. I got, I got two more questions though that I want to ask. Um, I'm gonna pass it over to Alex. Still very much in line with what we were just talking about, uh, and the skiing and the mountain biking. I feel like, and perhaps it's just because I'm seeing it more. Maybe it's not actually like this. There is a lot more of life and life things, so non-business specific things being sprinkled in, and you are going to the mountains a lot and riding bikes up there and now skiing. Are you consciously doing more of these kinds of activities? Is Are you pulling back in terms of like the front-facing parts of the business? Are you making more of a concerted effort to do those things? Alex, what, is there actually, has there actually been an uptick or am I just like, you know, having, I don't know, I don't even know what that, what that effect is called, a Bader-Meinhof or something like effect going on. Yeah, there there has definitely been an uptick in like getting outside and taking advantage of where we live and what we're able to do, taking our fitness outside. I think uh, there, some of it's a little bit unconscious, just doing, like not having the goal of trying to make it back to the games or compete in CrossFit generally has allowed us to kind of put in place like skiing and biking for workouts and that has obviously helped a lot. Um, I think we actually had a meeting with you um, at the be more mm -hmm. at the beginning of summer, I think it was, and we had kind of kind of talked about different ways that the business could go, and we could dump a bunch of energy in to developing a new program. And Meredith and I kind of looked at each other, and we were like, you know what, like why don't we put the brakes on um, growing like growing the business in a different way like kind of hold yeah. steady let the business grow itself like do a really good job with our our client check-ins and then come fall we can kind of mm -hmm. put the gas pedal on in the new website and all of these other things um I just I feel like we wanted to both take a break and give ourselves an opportunity to not feel bad about taking a Thursday yes. um Friday Saturday Sunday and go to the Fernie or you know we have a amount that we can go riding at just about 45 minutes away and we would do that on a Friday afternoon or a Wednesday afternoon and it really it's really great in establishing a, in a balance and what we have found is that it's um, helped us do a better job um, with our clients and with the business just because you know disconnecting is so important and for me specifically skiing and mountain biking and f running it's it's this like I get into this like flow state where you don't even, you can't be thinking about anything else other than yeah. what you're doing, specifically skiing and biking. Cause it's so technical and you know, you're plummeting down a mountain um, and just having that like relief, I guess, from life yes. kind of resets you. Yes. Uh, so it's been somewhat unconscious, but also consciously like making a big effort to get out. And I have Meredith to thank for a lot of that. She pushes pretty hard. Dude, I'm smiling so big. Like, oh, I love this. Meredith, go ahead. Yeah, it's, you know, and there's there's the added benefit. And so I think about things from like, you know, where's where's your mindset, right? So there's the fear mindset of if I am skiing, if I'm biking, then I'm not working out. So I'm losing fitness there in the gym and, you know, I'm not working. So maybe the business suffers. Um, and when I like when I think about <clears throat> biking and skiing, and I know this was specifically with with biking because it tends to be quite a bit more social. Um, you know, you can go into situations 
and new things in life with like a healthy sense of curiosity and just act like, okay, I'm going to explore this and see kind of what it can do for me. Um, and not only is it something that I just really love doing, I have loved mountain biking since I was a kid. Um, but also I know from a business standpoint, it's going to get me into a totally new community. And so, mm-hmm. um, it, yeah. you know, while we're not sitting in front of our computer or cranking out Instagram content or writing blogs or doing videos or whatever it is, um, it is an old school networking opportunity and there's really nothing that beats FaceTime with people and, um, building new relationships and selfishly for me as an adult, it's really difficult to build friendships sometimes. And so we've met some great people over the summer that, you know, they serve no other purpose than just being our friends. And it's nice to have friends who are outside of the, you know, like the CrossFit community. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's difficult to branch out sometimes. So, um, you know, a big initiative for us with the business, I think is to start to organically get into some of these more, uh, like mountain sport communities and endurance communities. And so, you know, while, while biking and running, um, might on paper seem like a weird business move to make because we're moving away from our core, like our bread and butter CrossFit market. I think there are far more people who bike and run and ski and, um, do those kinds of things than do CrossFit. And so Mm -hmm. from like a, the logical standpoint, um, it actually makes more sense for us to get involved with those communities um, to help grow the business on top of the fact that like, it's just a really fun thing to do. Yes. I mean, from the business perspective, you folks listening, if we're switching and putting on our business hats for a second, this is still niching down, right? Niching down is about the problem you solve, not necessarily who you solve it for. People tend to put that first and like, they're like, I need to be this specific demographic. Think about the problem you're solving. And this ties back into, and if you folks want to refer back to that values episode, we have uh, Laura Jean goes back to that. Right. Meredith and Alex have been, and we talked about in the beginning of the episode, have been so strong and so forth, you know, at the forefront with uh, forward facing, I should say, with their values and what they stand for and the problems that they solve. And we talked about this in past episodes as well. This is a very natural progression of things, in my opinion, as someone was looking at this. It's like, who are you solving this same problem for? I think at one of the episodes, kind of asking Meredith, like, what do they actually do? And they're like, we help people achieve goals. That goes for anything then. That can be any type of person. So this makes so much sense. And I love that it's tying into the things that you're doing. And you also, you highlighted that lesson again with just how the two of you, where people would typically look at what am I losing? You are over there like, what could I gain? Like that is a, it's a very hard skill to, to, I don't know, to acquire, to work on. But when you can do that and you can celebrate your wins and and think about potential wins and and just potential in the same way that you think about loss and the same way that you fear loss, it's a game changer. It's just absolutely, that makes me think of that article you wrote saying game changer. <laughs> Every time I think about that, I'm like, Meredith wrote a, quite an article about that. It's, it's like number two on Google. <laughs> Shit was good. We will link that, folks. We will link <laughs> that. I got one more question before the final question. Is that is that cool for the, the oh, three yeah. of you? All right. So um, let's... Let's stick with Meredith for this one. Um, I think this is actually a bit more uh, specific to what she does in the business. But I brought you folks on five times. I love your messaging. I love what you stand for. I know what you stand for. I know who you are. I hear your voice. I see your faces. How do you balance that? Or how are you going to balance that? How are you working on balancing that with the fact that you have 
coaches? That's yes. they're not you. That's such a good question. So that's like, that's what we're kind of right in the middle of right now. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, for <laughs> a lot of the work that we're putting on, I mean, if you go to our website right now, if uh, it's not going to change in the next, hopefully it's changed before January. So I might be lying, but um, <laughs> if you were to go to it right now and you, you look at it, it's mainly uh, pictures of me and Alex. And it's partially because when we launched that website it was oh, yeah. we were the only people who we had pictures of um but the like the brand has been us since its inception and I think at the beginning that was a uh a, a good thing it helped us grow the business really fast um but now like because we are bringing on coaches who are unique people and extremely well qualified and you know we've added lots of people and ended up with the ones that we have and um we we have to push the the business in a direction where it it doesn't just revolve around the two of us it's it revolves around the entire team and it's important that we build an infrastructure where if we continue to grow the the team even more it doesn't leave somebody or that new person like kind of out in space so um we brought on a a design team who has helped us with the new website and really a a build a strong really strong brand statement and brands look and um the idea is that when people go to the website they see some version of themselves and um mm -hmm. as far as like our representation on it you know us and also our coaches are not the primary focus of of the website it's mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. normal people it's yes. um you know it's who it's we not speak us. to yeah exactly yeah. And yeah. so that's kind of like, that's one thing. And then I think what we're going to be doing moving forward with uh, social media, which will always be more heavily, um, I guess, linked to the people and the personalities as we're kind of working with our coaches to get a little more involvement on social media and probably get them on our podcast. And I think into next year, once the website is up, get some video content going that just kind of like gets people into their lives and yeah. shows who they are because they're, you know, they're e each and every one of them are unique and have a unique skill set and set of tools. And like, frankly, some of them are better at coaching than we are, at least in certain ways. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I think the more that we can highlight that and the more that their voices can be heard in addition to ours, um, I think that will, it will do nothing but help the brand. I love it. This is like, the next big challenge, I think this is probably the biggest challenge with an online brand and just having a business. And when you grow and you bring other people in and it's like, how do I bring, you know, show that they are, they are dope. Alex, you want to, I mean, you said earlier that you like the logistical side of things and managing the stuff. Uh, would you like to use this time to talk about the other coaches? Uh, like highlight each one. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sure. I mean, um, so Meredith mentioned Lindsay. She's, uh, she's a, a very, very experienced, not only nutrition coach, but she's helped with, uh, strength and conditioning. She works, she has a, a history working with, uh, teenage hockey players. Okay. So she kind of has, we don't work with teenagers, but she has mm -hmm. a, a bit of a unique background in that sense. She's a, a high, an elite, like highly competitive elite CrossFit athlete. She competed at, um, she was in semifinals last year for Atlas games. 
Um, so she's, she's focusing on her CrossFit career right now, but, um, she's, uh, probably kind of our, our next in line coach. She, mm-hmm. we bring her in on a lot of the, the building outs of the, the business right now. She's kind of a, another ear that we use. And, um, you know, she, we're thinking about potentially starting up like a mentorship program for coaches and she's going to be at the forefront of that. So awesome. she's playing a big role and she's just the most invaluable person to have on our team. Um, we have our next coach, Meg. She's from Victoria. She's also competitive in, in CrossFit. Um, not to the same degree, but she, you know, has her own goals and, and competes at local competitions and things like that. She has a, a background in nutritional counseling. So she brings a completely kind of a different set of, of tools. And we, we tend to set Meg up with people who maybe have had a bit of a rocky relationship with food, need a bit of a different mm. approach other than macro. She just, mm-hmm. she just basically enhances our, our tool bag in a, in a really big way. And then we have, um, our other coach, Jill, she's from Calgary. She's, um, she's kind of like our go-to like recipe guru. She, she's, you know, she's really relatable to people who, um, she's a, she's a respiratory therapist part-time. So she kind of can relate to people who work shift work and that's cool. Um, kind of just like we, we, she, she set up with a lot of like moms, moms like recipes. She's really good at helping people kind of get, get going with macros, the basics. She's, um, just super in, into coaching and we love her. Um, and then Kendra is, a is also a part-time, uh, nurse and she, we've, we've known Kendra for years. She's got, she's a little bit, and this is in the me- the best way possible. She's, she's got some sass to her. She's love it. confident. We love her as being part of the team. Um, and yeah, she's our, our newer coach, but just absolutely a gem. And then our last, uh, coach and not last by ranking (laughs) last by uh, discussion. She's, she moved from, uh, Halifax recently to Calgary and just her name's Kat. Um, she is, she likes working more with men. Interestingly, Ah. she just, she connects with them more. She thinks they're they're a little bit different to work with. And mm-hmm. so we like to set her up with, with men and, and men feel comfortable with her. I, I'm not exactly sure what it is. I can't put my finger on it. I don't think she can either, but you know, she does really well with them and mm-hmm. not that she doesn't work with women either, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. she's a, she has a ton of experience as a CrossFit coach. And, um, I think that has helped her in her nutrition coaching as well. She has a, a master's in nutrition, so she's obviously highly educated and, yeah. and again, just a really good addition to the team. This is dope. I'm actually really glad that we took some time to highlight that. It's kind of like you're making like a little Avengers squad over there and everyone that, you know, has their, their strong suit. And there's something I was definitely thinking about um, just because like I've said in past episodes, folks, if you've listened, I worked with Meredith for quite some time um, and she was my nutrition coach. And then I gained weight and I was like, I can't do this because it's too hard. So I'm stopping. <laughs> I'm just going to wear pants. My legs can stay skinny, uh, but it did work. Uh, but in terms of now when there's new clients and I'm like, does everyone just want to go to you? Or like, I bring you on, I almost feel bad bringing you on the podcast. I, I, when I bring people on, I want them to talk about their business and I want everyone to hear about their businesses. Cause I, I, the people I bring on, I think personally they're dope. 
But then I'm like, oh, I'm bringing you on. And then people are going to be like, can I work with you? And then you two are going to be like, no, because we're full. <laughs> so I'm actually really, really glad that you, you know, you took some time to highlight the other people. Uh, and then I get to hear personally, like, everyone has their own specialty there, which is actually really, really cool. Uh, and I was actually going to want wondering if you had anyone that, you know, preferred to or specialized in working with men. So that was cool that you rounded that out with that. We will, folks, we'll obviously, and by we, I mean Courtney. She's the best. Thank you, Courtney. We'll put all the links in the show notes and you'll be able to head on to the website and things like that to check all this out. But uh, Alex, that was super helpful actually to hear what, you know, you're bringing. I love that you have the shift work aspect in there because that is something so, so different. Recipes. I love it. 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 All right. Final question. And then I'll let you two go. Cool. Yeah. I was wondering if we could ask you a question as well. Oh, yes. Yes. Go ahead. Um, why do you think people feel uncomfortable posting about their lives on social media? Because they, because we live in a punitive society and people fear punishment and not necessarily, uh, uh, litigious punishment, but punishment of we'll lose friends and we'll be judged and we'll see, they'll be seen in a certain light. And so they don't want to put that up there because they fear more than anything that we'll lose friends, right? We're going to be an ostracized. We're going to be canceled. We're going to be an outcast. So when I coach people and I have them posting, one of the reasons that I encourage them to post daily is one, so they figure out like what they like posting about, but two, it, it does give other people more opportunities to interact with their stuff. And when people see like, oh, I didn't lose people. Oh, like other people have this, this thing too. Oh, I'm not alone. They build on that and they get the confidence because they know they're not getting punished, right? They get the confidence to go and do more. But I think that is the number one reason why people don't want to post. And it's the number one reason, number one reason why authenticity, which I think should be the easiest thing, is one of the hardest things for people. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so thanks. Yeah. Thank you for asking. I love talking about that stuff. Anything else? Any other questions? Not yeah. for me, no. I work with uh I work with a, a someone who's in your either in your little crew or used to be. Her name's Jen Cates and she Oh yeah. A, yeah, she does a mountain bike um sort of training Instagram yes. shift yes. human performance. That's right. Shout out to Jen. She loves you. And I work with a couple of your people too. Yeah. It's wow, like, uh, we, so we always get people from this podcast, but it's, you know, one of the things that I've talked about with her with regards to Instagram is it's very uncomfortable to do that and get to get on a routine. But once you do, you kind of figure out what your messaging is and what your voice is and you find your, you know, your identity online, which really is probably very much in line with her identity in real life. And you can tell that she's a very authentic yes. person and it comes right through. And that's that. I think she's benefiting immensely from your assistance. So. Uh, that is the congruency factor there. I actually spoke about Jen, and I'm going to just out her now. I, I spoke about Jen uh, in a past episode. I was like, there's someone I work with who didn't even make a sales page and was, blew up her entire sale and sold it out. And yep. that was Jen, because yep. that is because of what she built beforehand and the trust she built and how she shows up with her people. Uh, to me, authenticity authenticity is simply simply a commitment to congruency, right? Where you're like, I'm going to live. I have my values. I've established them. 
and I'm going to live them. So there's a congruency there. Yep. Uh, authenticity is like a byproduct of that. And what, what I've seen across the board, people that I've worked with, um, largely as it relates to their social media presence, is when that happens, when that clicks, when they get that confidence, that level of comfort in congruency, they take off. The audience feels it. Their community feels it. And people inherently want it, whether it's that they want to be able to do that as well or they just know it's safer because they're like, I know what I'm going to get. It's magnetic. So when people are able to get to that point, which is largely why, you know, I have felt, you know, some kind of way about you two from the beginning. So I'm just like, any of you, if you read <laughs> Meredith in the comments section, you're like, she tells it like it is. <laughs> it's one way to put it. Yeah. This is Meredith. <laughs> like... So uh, I totally, totally, totally agree. All right. I will ask you the last question uh, and then I'll, I'll let you go. Is Ivy still with us? Or she was like, fuck She's you. falling asleep, but, you know. <laughs> the crinkles. All right. Final question. I will, uh, I'll ask it to Alex first and then Meredith, you can go second. Alex, is there anything that you would like to leave the people? Anything you haven't said or just anything you want to reiterate? Just anything. Um, sure. So I, I listened to a podcast and hopefully no one judges me with Matthew McConaughey as a guest. It was Nick no Bear's podcast. And he said something that really has stuck with me. And it was that, you know, we're always, some people are, are always like looking for the finish line and it's like the final finish line. So, you know, the marathon, like finishing a marathon. It's like, okay, I'm just going to do the marathon. And it's, as soon as I cross the finish line, it's, it's done. Or, you know, everyone's kind of waiting for COVID to be over. It's like, mm -hmm. when is this ending? Like I can only make it two more weeks. Like, you know, so-and-so it's said it's going to be over by Easter and this sort of thing. And he said that one thing that he does and he, he thinks is, is important for just general personal growth. And this, I really just love this is he's, he said, there's no, there's no like final peak. It's like you get to the top of a mountain and he's like, what, what mountain am I climbing next? What's next? Where's the next peak? Or like, you know, you, if you stop anticipating the end, then mm -hmm. you'll be more resilient and you'll be better off handling what's to come in the future. So for example, COVID, it's like everyone thinks it's going to be over by 2021 or that's going to be over by 2022. He's like, I'm expecting this thing to last for years. Mm -hmm. So when it finally does last, it's kind of like, oh, we're done. Yeah. I was ready yeah. to go for another five years. Like, mm -hmm. or, you know, you finish, you finish a, a project and it's like, you know, you're still going and people are like, no, Alex, like you're done. You can stop. And it's like, okay, well, like what's next? And I feel mm -hmm. like that attitude and trying to adopt that attitude can be really helpful for you know, striving for something new and, and never kind of like being personally defeated by, by something that you aren't able to anticipate. I love it. I love it. That was so good. Meredith, uh, we're done. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she'll just come up with something so much better. <laughs> listen, listen, let's go. Let's make it competitive now. It's gotta be yeah. better. What do you got? Let's go. Okay. Well, I did. I will admit that I had the uh, advantage of knowing what the question was going to be. So it needs to be acknowledged. I mean, um, both of you should know this is your fifth time on the podcast. I know. It's the same question all the time. It's Knew the same this one was coming. Um, we were, the only reason this is on my mind is because we were talking about this. Um, we were talking about this yesterday. And um, there's this, there's this English novelist 
named George Elliot. And George Elliot is actually a pen name for Mary Ann Evans, who was a female. And, you know, back in the um, 1800s, yeah. if you were a female, you, you would not yeah. have done well by writing under a female name, hence George Elliot. And um, one of her most famous quotes is, it's never too late to be the person you might have been. And so I was doing some thinking yesterday about how many people get stuck in doing these, you know, the things that they do because they're the things that they do and they're the things that they've done for a long time. The official term for that is the sunk cost fallacy. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's the reason why people stay in relationships. It's the reason why people stay in jobs. It's the reason reason why people stay in majors that they don't have any interest in. And, um, you know, the reason why we were talking about it last night is I have on a number of occasions in my life. And if you know anything about me personally, you would know this already and I won't get into it. Um, we'll link the episode. I've, we'll link it. We'll link it. Yeah. I've, um, I've gotten myself, I've, I've left situations like that, jobs, relationships, uh, majors. And I've done that, you know, and with the feedback from people specifically with my career, like, oh my God, why would you leave such a lucrative and promising career? You know, it's what you do. Mm-hmm. You have so much invested in it. Mm-hmm. And um, is was it scary? Yeah, it was scary. Was it scary to move to Canada? 100%. But, um, you know, if the things in your life aren't scaring you just a little bit, you're probably not doing the right things anyways. And mm-hmm. I think what people are most fearful of, and it's what you just said a few minutes ago, is, um, you know, social punishment or being seen or having negative feedback passed on to them. And for that reason, a lot of times people don't make changes. And so my advice to people is always to just make the change. Just do it. It's way scarier in your head than it's actually going to be in reality. Um, So just like do the thing you want to do and burn the boats. Do the thing. Do the thing. I love it. I will not say that one of these was better than the other. They were both equally phenomenal. But I will repeat that last quote. It is never too late to be the person you might have been. I love this. Starting off the year, yes, you know, time, whatever. You can say that the calendar arbitrary, whatever. But either way, we do look at it. And so I love this is why I love bringing these two incredible humans and Ivy onto the podcast for the very first episode and starting things off with a bang. I love it. I love it. I love it. You too. Thank you for just everything. Five episodes. Oh, and we will link their podcast as well. All right. The afternoon snack. Uh, is that correct? Did I mess that up? That's that's the one. Okay. We will link that as well, folks. But Meredith, Alex, Ivy, thank you. Five episodes, just all of the posts that I read from you, the things that I share, the things that I learned, the free therapy sessions you give during these these episodes, and all the possibility that you show all of us. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for driving. It's and nice to like and likewise. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> You're welcome, dude. This is just so, 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 so good. You folks listening as well. Thank you. I know this episode was a bit longer, but come on now, this shit was fire. So thank you. I know you could have been doing anything, and you chose to to continue to sit here and whatever you're doing and listen to us. And, and for that, all how many of us? Four of us are endlessly 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 grateful if you like this episode if it resonated with you if you're picking up what all of us are putting down i got two asks for you number one go check out meredith go check out alex go check out ivy go check out tactic we will link all the courtney will link all the things in 
the show notes. Second ask, if you liked it, if you're feeling it, do me a solid and share it with somebody who you think might also enjoy this episode. All right. That's all I got for you this time. As always, endlessly appreciative for every single one of you. Until next time, friends, Ivy, Alex, Meredith, and Maestro, 